Welcome on in to the third round reversal fantasy football podcast. Brett Malamud here with Zach Malamud. Zach, what's going on? Not much. Uh, it, was a, it was a bad week for my fantasy team and Nick Chubb owner myself. And uh, I mean, we, we got a, a big outlook for the rest of the season to look forward to. Yeah, there was a lot to go uh, by in, the, in this week. We're going to break down the, the Nick Chubb, you know, uh, injury in a second here. And, you know, just awful, awful scenes. And if you saw the video online, you, it was bad. And if you didn't see it, probably shouldn't go try to find it. It just was gruesome. It made your stomach turn. And, you know, we hope that uh, Nick Chubb comes back to play NFL football and, you know, there's a lot of rumors swirl about surgeries he's going to need and the long road ahead for him. Um, you know, in Jerome Ford season right now, we're going to get to that in a minute. We come with some breaking news just a few minutes ago. Cam Akers traded from the Rams to the Minnesota Vikings, a late round pick swap. And Zach, let's just break this down. For a second, Cam Akers, he had just a bumpy road last year going from running back number one. And it was like a surefire thing to they drafted this kid. Kyron Williams might be able to pick up some carries later in games. And sure enough, like it became that Cam Akers went to the doghouse last year. And you know, now it's, you know, he comes back from that towards the end of last year finishes the last six weeks of the season running back two and he's 23 years old. So you're thinking, Hey, we got something here. Well, not so fast. He heads into his contract year. We're thinking it's going to be workhorse back. And then all of a sudden Kyron Williams is getting snaps and carries. And all of a sudden now it seems that Sean McVay doesn't want him there and doesn't dress him last week. And so now they finally, they get rid of him, get him over to the Vikings and well, listen, this is his fourth year, Teddy. This is his contract year, and so now he's over to the Vikings. What do you think of, of the outlook now that he is in Minnesota? And then we'll break down what we think of Kyra Williams. So it, it's interesting. Obviously, for this week, uh, I'm sticking with, with Alexander Madison. I think it's still his backfield for now uh, as Cam Akers gets used to the system and, and gets things going in Minnesota. Rest of season... I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Akers took over this backfield. I mean, the speed that he has, the ability to to move around inside the box, just he's he's really, really talented. He's super young. I know that Minnesota paid Alexander Madison, but they didn't pay him big running back one type money. They paid him a little bit less than that. I think it was four or five million dollars a year. Not too much. I think Cam Akers has the opportunity to end up taking over this backfield because he can probably pay, uh, play this Dalvin Cook role a little bit better than Alexander Madison has been doing so so far. Minnesota needed to change their 0-2 to start the year, struggling right now, and, and they're trying to figure things out. And I think Cam Akers could be a good answer to kind of get things going in this backfield. Yeah, I mean, he's three, four years in. The average running back plays about six years. And so, you know, this is kind of the the turning point for Cam Akers. And obviously he came into the league pretty young. Obviously now he's – if he's 23, he just turned 24 actually. Um, this is his fourth year. He came in at 20 years old. And so, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of runways still left for K-Makers, I think. And we talk about the resilience of, you know, coming back from a torn Achilles a couple of years ago. And, you know, now he heads into a situation where Madison, it's like you said, it could be by committee and then eventually K-Makers can take the job. And so as an owner of K-Makers, I think I'm ecstatic. Um, this is a place where I thought Jonathan Taylor could potentially head. And now we get Cam Akers. And, and so that's pretty great of a landing spot. Um, and as far as Los Angeles goes, I mean, Sean McVay has been pretty clear that, that he likes Kyron Williams. Well, now it's Kyron Williams season. I think that this is going to be one of those, you know, he's going to get every single carry. I don't see Ronnie Rivers coming in and stealing any carries. I don't even see Zach Evans coming in and getting a, that many carries. I think he'll have, you know, one of those change of pace back roles. Um, that's the only real impact I see coming out of this entire thing from the Rams. But I mean, as far as uh, makers goes, I think it, from a dynasty perspective, um, there's going to be a lot of people that are that are selling Alexander Madison and buying makers right now. Um, you know, I think that that that's a potential thing where you you might want to look at that option. Yeah, I mean, it, it just so happens that I have Alexander Madison, you have Cam Akers in our Dynasty League. So we're trying to figure that out. But I mean, I also have, I mentioned to you before, I have Kyron Williams. So that's that's something I'm very excited about. And then he could probably just take the spot of Alexander Madison in my lineup as, as one of the top running backs on my team each and every week, just with how he's been playing so far. We'll get to him uh, when we get to our standouts a little bit later. But I mean, looking at Madison, I'm a little worried after the first two weeks because it has not been good. And now Minnesota, it, it's been bad enough that they now want to make a change. So that that's definitely a little bit worrying with Alexander Madison. With redraft, I think Alexander Madison, like I said, the next couple of weeks, it's probably his backfield. But I wouldn't be surprised, like rest of season value, I think Cam Akers can take that because of the speed and the the burst out of the box. He's really, really talented. And and Minnesota is going to give him those opportunities at running back. Yeah, and I actually got to pick up Cam Akers for free in one of our leagues, which I was very surprising. Got just got dropped. And so, you know, there's a lot of leagues that have that right now. If you are in a situation where you see Cam Akers out there, go grab him. Um, if you see Alexander Madison, I still might look at Alexander Madison just as a potential depth piece. And, you know, I, I think there's still value where a lot of people are panicking. Um, the thing that I do really think comes out of this is that the Vikings aren't just laying back and, you know, it'll, it'll a lot of the people out there that are saying, Oh, they should trade Kirk cousins to the jets because Aaron Rodgers is hurt. Well, that's not happening. The Vikings are going for it. The Vikings know the talent that they have on their team. Um, you know, we just talked about it off air. Kirk Cousins is quarterback one right now. So, you know, that's not going to happen. They're not going to get rid of him, especially when he's in a year where he's just an absolute game changer. It's a contract year for him as well. Um, and I think that the, based on what we've seen in the first two weeks, they're going to offer him a contract. Um, I don't know that he's really going to go anywhere. They might bring somebody in, but that's a conversation for another day. As far as today goes, if you're a Cam Akers owner, you're happy if you're an Alexander Madison owner, might be time to reevaluate um, and maybe even trade them to that Cam Akers owner who might be a little concerned that it may be by committee. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. Look out for Alexander Madison and, and people are going to devalue him. I mean, if you have Cam Akers, I got lucky. I actually have Cam Akers and Alexander Madison on one of my teams. So I'm already set. Uh, I'm fine with it being by committee and, and just pick which one is going to have the, the better week. I'm perfectly fine with that. Yep. So now we get on to the big news of the week, other than Cam Aker news. Nick Chubb, um, I mean, just what could you say? It, it was awful to watch. Um, you know, he, he dislocated his knee, and, you know, we don't know the exact extent of the injury. There's still a ton of testing, including some neurological testing he had earlier yesterday. And again, it just it sucks. It, pure, plain and simple, it sucks. Uh, you hope that his career is not in jeopardy like a lot of these rumors out there. Um, but, you know, from a fantasy football perspective, which is what we're doing here, uh, we got we have to move on. And, you know, as fantasy football owners, you kind of have to move on, which kind of sucks. But, you know, we got to break it down here. So right now it seems that Jerome Ford is the lead guy. Uh, earlier today, though, they made some news. They bring in Kareem Hunt on a one-year $4 million deal. Uh, he's been targeted to play the depth role um, and, and, you know, came out today, Kevin Stefanski saying that Drew Ford will be their number one running back. Of course, you know, we don't know what will happen later on in the season, but there's a chance that Kareem Hunt has the opportunity now to outperform Ford for that running back one position. I mean, he does have that opportunity. I, I mean, I think it's right now from what you saw the other day in Pittsburgh, after Nick Chubb went down, the guy that came in was Jerome Ford. He got a touchdown on the second play from scrimmage after that. So that, I mean, right away, always getting those targets out of the backfield, like that's perfect. And he's, he's bursting down the sideline. He's making big runs. He's, he's making big plays in the game. That's why they love Jerome Ford. And that's why they, they were fine with just having two running backs. They, they got rid of everybody else. They said, nope, we don't need him. We got Nick Chubb. And if Nick Chubb's not doing well, then we get Jerome Ford. I think they ride with that. Of course, Kareem Hunt coming in it is a little bit shaky for Jerome Ford. I'm a Jerome Ford owner in about five leagues now. So I'm riding the Ford train. I'm, I'm all in on him. He could definitely have a, a big role in this offense because they, I mean, they relied so heavily on Nick Chubb each and every game, I think Jerome Ford has proven, especially the other day, that he can take over that role. I don't know if rest of season value, I mean, that's that's still a question mark, but for right now, this is Jerome Ford's backfield. Yeah, I think that as far as waiver pickups go, which I've crossed yesterday, he was the top waiver ad out there. Um, that wasn't named Puka Nakua, who surprisingly is still available in temperate leagues. I just checked about an hour ago. Um, I, I don't know what the other 10% are doing, but the 90% uh, added them. And yesterday he was available in 25%, which is, that's even more crazy. We'll get the Puka Nakua in a little bit. Um, but as far as Jerome Ford goes, I, I think that he had like 90% of the carries when Chubb left when Chubb was injured. And so it's it's going to be his backfield. Yeah, he ran for a 70-yarder and then had to come out of the game, so he missed out on the touchdown for to uh, Pierre Strong Jr. But I'm not sure that uh, that's going to mean anything. I think that I agree with you. Right away, he's running back one. Um, I'll talk about the matchup. 
in a little bit as the season long goes. Um, I think this is this is a great ad, and you know if he's out there in your league, go grab him. Yeah, we'll talk about the matchup when we get to when we get to Cleveland, Tennessee. I'm a little shaky on it, but we'll we'll get to our next uh, injury. All right, so we go on to the next injury, and it is Saquon Barkley. He sprained his ankle heading down uh, the end of the game. It looked like a game where the Giants were just going to lose to the Cardinals, and then this epic, epic comeback uh, ends with one of the worst things you could hope for as a Giants fan when you were like, you know, the skies got dark and cloudy, and then all of a sudden it was bright blue skies, we're going to win, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, Saquon's down on the field. What does this mean for our our season now uh, as opposed to the game? Great news, though. He got It was only a sprained ankle. Um, you know, there was – a lot of you know people holding their breath, and this is probably the best news you could have hoped for. Uh, he did get ruled out for tomorrow, which was a little bit of a murky thing with Dable the last couple of days, where he might be available, and I don't know how much of that was gamesmanship. But it seems that Matt Breida is likely to start against San Francisco. Gary Brightwell would back him up. Uh, they made it very clear they're not signing a backup right away. Um, might not even sign a backup, you know, this this week. Or this next coming week, uh, and that's the reason because they have 11 days between their next game uh, when they return for Monday Night Football, which is October 2nd against Seattle. So 11 days in between, and there's a chance that Saquon actually could return for that game. Yeah, I mean it's some it's something to keep an eye on. Obviously, Saquon being out that's that's a big loss for for some fantasy owners. I, the one thing about Matt Breida is it's it's just such a bad matchup. This week, you you really can't get much worse than than San Francisco in San Francisco and, and that defensive line. So I'd probably stay away from Matt Breida for, for this week, even though he's going to be the running back one. I just don't think there's going to be enough to, to give you a solid fantasy football output in this game against San Fran. But I would pick him up, of course, because... I think there is the opportunity, Saquon's injury, like the traditional sprained ankle, you're out. I mean, they said like two to three weeks. So that's like a traditional one. Obviously, Saquon is going to fight through it and and most likely will be fighting to play in that game against Seattle. But if he doesn't, then you have Matt Breida on your team and and then you have a running back one in a, a solid matchup against Seattle. So I'd keep Matt Breida. I think he was picked up in in a fair amount of leagues. There were some leagues that just stayed away completely, didn't want him at all. They were like, all right, we're leaving him on the waiver wire. I think it's only like 23% of leagues he's he's rostered in right now, which is quite interesting how, how people's views on that San Fran get, uh, are really happening. But as for this week, just stash Matt, Matt Breida on your bench, excuse me. Yeah, I think this is a stash candidate as well. I'm not starting him, but as we've learned from the guy we're going to talk about next, the Joe Burrow, I mean, these injuries, they linger. And so there is the potential that a guy like Saquon has been injured before. He, you know, has not really had a very healthy career. Uh, it could come back. And this could be something that, you know, for the ankle, the ankle is an extremely complex uh, bone, you know, and juncture of your entire thing could ruin your Achilles could ruin your calf. Um, so because of that, I think that 
it is worth a stash candidate just because we really don't know what, what the long-term future, when I say long-term, I mean at least season-long, uh, future of Saquon is. He could be banged up in a couple of weeks, and it all comes back to putting pressure on him. I think that stashing, stashing Bridge is a good candidate. Yep, agreed. All right, so breaking down Joe Burrow now. Uh, Burrow tweaked his right calf during Sunday's 27-24 loss to the Ravens. Zach Taylor said on Monday that it is hard to say whether he would be available on Monday Night Football against the L.A. Rams. Today there was no injury report because, of course, it's a Monday game, so we don't get these day reports for the Monday Night Football game. So we'll, I guess we'll kind of have to monitor for tomorrow, but – you know, you you're still starting your regular guys, you know, even if Joe Burrow's not there. Yeah, I mean, do, I don't know. It's a tough one because because Joe Burrow makes these guys, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, it it boosts their value up a, a ton. I would probably say Chase and Higgins. I think anything after that, and, and probably Mixon in the backfield, and anything after that, I'm just staying away. Probably Tyler Boyd. I would just stay away for the week. Kind of deal. I think the the worry for Joe Burrow is is season long. This team is, even though they're 0 2 right now, they're planning on on playing 20 games this year. They're they're planning on heading to the Super Bowl, coming out of the AFC. Like they have like season long aspirations that they're looking forward to. I don't know if they're gonna risk Joe Burrow when this calf is is really hurting them and and the injury keeps lingering on. It's quite interesting. Joe Burrow has been quarterback 31 to start this season. So that that's definitely a, a something I would say to worry about for right now. But I think once you get to like week five, week six, you're going to be like, all right, I got real Joe Burrow. He's he's back. I got real Jamar Chase. He's back as well. So for, for this week, I mean, like I said, Chase and, and Higgins and, and Mixon, and that would be it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that those are the three guys that I had written down here. Uh, other than that, like I'm not starting Tyler Boyd or, or any of those other guys. And to be honest, if Joe Burrow's starting, like he's coming on a weak game, you mentioned it, like he's, he hasn't been that great. Um, it might be a week where you debate between your starter. If you have a strong backup, um, you know, you might you might want to look that way. Like if you have Anthony Richardson, for example, as as your backup, you might want to start Anthony Richardson. We'll talk about him in a little bit because who knows if he's going to play with the concussion symptoms and all that. But a stronger guy like that, um, I, th- I think that uh, that makes the most sense. Yep, I completely agree. All right, so now we jump on to the next one. It's the Detroit Lions. David Montgomery left the game with a thigh bruise. After the game, he told the media that it might have taken a couple weeks to get back to 100%. Then on Monday, it was reported by Dan Campbell that he would be day-to-day. However, today they go out and they sign Zonovan Bam Knight to their active roster, and they promote Devine, Divine Azo uh, to the practice squad. And so it seems a little murky here for uh, Montgomery. Yeah, I think Montgomery is probably going to sit this week out, uh, if I would add. If I had to guess, I think it's going to be Jameer Gibbs all, all the way. This is what Jameer Gibbs owners have been waiting for because Montgomery has been taking a lot of those big runs and and obviously inside the red zone getting a lot of carries. 
something Jameer Gibbs owners would be asking for this early in the season. Obviously, it was going to always take time between Gibbs and Montgomery. And Montgomery, obviously, the experienced NFL back. He was going to get the carries to really start the season. And then we would see how Jameer Gibbs would kind of trickle in in this offense. But for right now, if, if Montgomery misses this week's matchup, it's, it's Jameer Gibbs all the way. I think that for for the Gibbs fan club, I guess I could call them, um, this is great news. For for them, I think they're going to actually get a full workload out of Jameer Gibbs. Uh, as far as David Montgomery goes, it didn't look that bad. Listen, it looked – the way that they reacted to it, it looked like the guy tore his ACL. And so, you know, you got a little nervous there with the way they wrapped that knee up. But it wasn't a knee, it was a thigh, which is great. Um, he kind of just took a knee to the thigh, and that's kind of what the injury was. And, yeah, that that hurts. And so, yeah, he's probably not going to play this week just based on the roster moves. I think that Gibbs will see those touches in, in the running game as well as the passing game, which we've been able to see that he is a really explosive PPR pass catcher. Um, I think that that continues as well. And maybe it turns into something. I mean, I, I think that what we've seen already might end up being Gibbs's role this year when, when Montgomery's fully healthy, you know, minus, a, you know, add a couple carries to his load. But I think that that's kind of the role that we're going to see where, you know, the workhorse end up being Montgomery. So this, these next couple of weeks are kind of going to be telling. I think Craig's Craig Reynolds also might factor in on some early downs uh, until he returns just because, Again, he's a rookie. They don't want to give him 35 carries. It's not going to make sense to just burn him out, uh, especially with how excited that they are in the passing game and where they might use him there. So we might see a little bit of Craig Reynolds. I'm not sure he has much value whatsoever, unless obviously Gibbs goes down. Um, so a potential like deeper league stash, I would say. But other than that, I'm kind of leaving him out there on waivers. But, yeah, I mean, this should be interesting to hear, to see how Gibbs handles a full workload. Yeah, he's, he's, I agree. He's going to get that full workload. And I think Craig Reynolds, I agree with you. Just keep an eye on him because he probably will get five, seven, nine carries in this one. It just kind of be next to Jameer Gibbs and, and Gibbs would probably get all the work in the passing game. Some brewing news here from Adam Schefter. The Rams with the Cam Akers trade. They're trading Akers and a 2026 seventh round pick to the Vikings, and they get back a 2026 sixth round pick. So not a lot of risk there. Pretty good to get Cam Akers for that, a former second round pick who's 24 years old. Yeah, definitely. So now we jump into some of our standouts, and you know, right fittingly comes the Rams. It is Kyron Williams as well as Puka Nakua. Zach, we got to break down Puka first because. I mean, he's one of the top players in all of fantasy, which is insane to say. He's got 35 targets in two games, set an NFL rookie record. I mean, he he is first place with 35 targets. Second place, Justin Jefferson with 25 targets. Still 10 targets ahead, which is what you see for, you know, a couple games for some guys. It takes them to get 10 targets, which is unbelievable. I mean – it means no worries. Pukunakua means no worries. Yeah, I, I, I mean, what, what else can you say about Pukunakua? Just 
shocking really from from what we've seen the the start of the season to get that many targets i found that stat as well 35 targets and then justin jefferson 25 targets unbelievable what he's been able to do and and i mean if you're a puka nakua owner like great all right i found my wide receiver one did i all right that's that's cool even though i have like some other guys yeah all right puka nakua works 15 receptions on 20 targets for 147 yards. Brett, we were worried that he was going up against San Francisco last week. We're like, all right, (laughs) pump the brakes a a, a little bit. Oh, he's going up against the top defense. He he made it look easy. 15 receptions uh, for 147 yards. Unbelievable. I mean, you're starting Puka Nakua. That's really all I have to say. It's nuts because he he's a top 10 option right now at, at wide receiver, like just plain and simple. And yeah, I have him on my teams and I'm playing him with CD lamb and with AJ Brown. And it's like, no question. Am I playing him or Drake London? Am I playing him or Jordan Addison? Like I'm clearly playing Puka Nakua in that third wide receiver spot. So, I mean, it, it's just, it's fun to watch. It's just, and the fact that there's all this, you know, buzz now over about Cooper Cup and is he Cooper Cup light? I think for when Cooper Cup comes back, that's the big question right now. What's this role going to be? And that's not for a couple of weeks, but I, you know, Tutu Atwell, which I'll get to Tutu and, and you know, later on in the show, but Tutu Atwell is playing this other role where he's only got one A, one A, one B target. And He's getting a bunch of targets too. I think Puka Nakua's floor is that two-two Atwell role, and Cooper Cup comes back if he's fully healthy. Obviously, a fully healthy Cooper Cup. I still think Puka Nakua is getting at least ten targets a game. I I agree with you. I they're gonna keep riding him because of that that chemistry that he has with Stafford. Why go away from it? Obviously, Cup could come back in the next couple of weeks. They may push him back a little bit more. We don't know right now, but. What I will say for now, enjoy the ride if you have Puka Nakua. Yeah, ride the wave. I think that it's just been so much fun to watch. And, I mean, I debated, like, this past week, I was like, is this a fluke? I had the choice to put but him and Michael Thomas. I was going between two of them. Started Puka Nakua, thank God. Uh, and, you know, Puka just kind of went off. And so that was, you know, awesome. And, I kind of got lucky on that one because I was—I felt like it was a toss-up heading into the week. Yeah, definitely fair. So jumping over to Kyle, we just spoke a bunch about uh, what his season-long outlook is, but you know he had 14 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown, six catches on 10 targets for 48 yards and a touchdown. He was running back two in standard PPR leagues, and so Zach, I think Kyron Williams right might—he might be a top five option also just based on the workload. Oh, yeah, he could 100% is. I mean, obviously the Rams, the one thing is that they're they're going down in games, and so they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. And then you saw Kyron Williams get 10 targets, 10 targets out of the backfield. What is he, Christian McCaffrey, getting 10 targets and then six receptions for 48 yards and a touchdown. Had a rushing touchdown as well. Only 14 attempts on the ground, but that's because they were losing and they had to throw the ball a lot. But you love to see the work in the passing game, and that's what makes great running backs in fantasy football. If they get those targets besides what they're able to do on the ground, 
especially in PPR leagues. It it worked very, very well. And Kyron Williams, yeah, a guy to really probably put in the top seven, maybe the top five for the next couple yeah. of weeks as, as at the running back position. Definitely. And especially if they don't win anybody. I mean, there's, you know, he's really got no competition behind him. Zach Evans, again, we said he's going to be kind of that change of pace back. But after that, it's Ronnie Rivers and, and that's it. And so this could be Kyron Williams, just ultimate workload on top of on top of the carries also have the, uh, the bunch of the passing game and the, the you know, check downs and all of those things. I, th- I think that that's really going to help his PPR value. Yeah, I agree. All right, so he finished as running back too, but the guy who finished at the running back spot may surprise you. It was Washington Commanders running back Brian Robinson. Zach, he had 18 carries for 87 yards, two touchdowns. He also added three catches for 42 yards, finishing as running back one. Zach, this is an awesome for a guy who we didn't even know if he was going to play football about a year ago. Yeah, I mean, what a comeback. What a story for Brian Robinson. And he he's just been a monster so far this season, uh, just leading this Washington team. They're 2-0 in, in the NFC East right now. Caught a couple of people by surprise with that record. But running back one in, in week two, he, he really stepped up. 18 carries for 87 yards, two tutties. And then the work in the passing game. I, I remember all offseason – Everybody talking about, oh, well, Antonio Gibson's gonna get those get those catches out of the backfield. He's gonna have the he's gonna have more PPR value than Brian Robinson. Yeah, say no more on that. Brian Robinson is the guy in this backfield. He's getting the carries, he's getting the work in the passing game, two receptions for 42 yards on three targets against Denver on the weekend. I mean, he's just unbelievable and a and a guy to put in your lineup each and every week if he's going to be this lead guy in Washington. Yeah, I think that he absolutely goes into your lineup now every week. This week might be a little bit of a scarier matchup just because it is the Bills. They might be playing from behind and getting, you know, they're going to have to play from behind and pass the ball more. So I would temper expectations just for this week. But, I mean, the guy's running back three right now in the league, which is just awesome. I mean, if you drafted him, you are stacked that you picked him. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say is is I know we we talk about the the Bills and their their stellar defense. Their one weakness is their rush defense, and and we saw Brees Hall run all over them. Obviously, they did a lot better last week against Josh Jacobs, but something to watch out, especially if Robinson is getting a ton of carries out of the backfield. Extremely, totally agree. I think that their game plan is going to be more focused around trying to stop the passing game from Sam Howell. Yep, definitely. So now jump on to the next guy, and he had eight catches for 111 yards and two touchdowns through two games. Keenan Allen, I mean, this is this is awesome. Oh, or that was one game. Through two games, he has 14 receptions for 187 and two touchdowns. He's probably a, a wide receiver one right now. Brad, I've been saying this all offseason, and it just so turned out that I didn't get Keenan Allen in any league, and I was very disappointed. I was like, ah, I got to get him in one. Nope, nope, he was gone every single time. I was expecting a monster year from Keenan Allen. From what I saw, the back half of last year, 
I think it was the last eight or nine games he finished wide receiver three. And I was like, if this guy stays healthy, the I mean, the sky is the limit, especially with he's got a couple wide receivers around him in, in Mike Williams and Quentin Johnson, but he's the guy. He's Justin Herbert's go-to guy, and he's showed it this past week. Like you mentioned, eight receptions on 10 targets, 111 yards, two touchdowns, wide receiver one in week two, really, really stepping up. And I agree with you. He could be a wide receiver one for the rest of the season as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I think that uh, my wife definitely listens to this podcast because she went out and she picked Keenan Allen pretty early in the draft. And so, you know, she's she's reaping the benefits of uh, your advice there. And so, yeah, I think that if you have Keenan Allen on your team, you're, you're pretty happy, especially because you probably didn't pick him as your top tier guy, especially if you wide early, you know, now you have two studs at wide. And so, yeah, that's a game changer because it allows you to almost look elsewhere and uh, kind of pin a little bit. If you, you're, if you're using Keenan Allen, maybe you make a trade with a different guy and um, it kind of just brings your depth together as, as you start to go through trade negotiations. How do I, you know, navigate here? Well, you kind of have a stud wide, so you really don't have to worry about that position. You can, kind of pivot and say, okay, I need a running back. Yeah, I agree. And 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 Keenan Allen's, the, I mean, the last couple of years, the one thing has been the touchdowns because Austin Eckler has been getting a ton of them. Now Austin Eckler was out that game and, and Keenan Allen was able to get two touchdowns in the end zone. Yeah, when we get to the matchup, I, I'll just talk a little bit about Mike Williams and the disappointment of you know, Quentin Johnston or whatever, but for this guy is just absolutely dominating for his team. Uh, and I think they're going to keep going to him. No doubt. Let's get to the game previews, Brett. Yeah. So we got some game previews as we look ahead to tomorrow night. It's the New York Giants and they're right back at it against the San Francisco 49. Zach, this could be a potential blowout here. Um, what, are we, what are we looking for for both teams? So this is quite interesting. I would not be afraid to, if you're worried about Joe Burrow, you're worried about just somebody injured at quarterback. I would not be afraid to start Daniel Jones here. Daniel Jones is one thing is the rushing value really steps up. And now he doesn't have Saquon. You don't think Daniel Jones is going to keep the ball and, and kind of move around the pocket, try and, and make things happen, especially if they're they're trying to throw the ball a lot, they're down. I would not be surprised if Daniel Jones had a had a good game uh, tomorrow night against San Francisco. So I'd be interesting. I I would be interested in him. Maybe uh, a guy that that you plug in if he's your backup. You could think about it if if one of your guys is struggling. Maybe Justin Fields to start the season, or it's or it's Joe Burrow. You're worried about an injury. I would not be afraid to start. Daniel Jones this week, but he, I think the only other guy is Darren Waller. Uh, obviously tight end four to start this season. You're going to keep rolling with him. He's your top tight end. Uh, I think, and then for San Francisco, I would think it's probably everybody you're starting. Not, not Purdy. I would stay away from him at quarterback, but McCaffrey, Ayuk, Debo and, and George Kittle. Debo Samuel had a great week last week, Brett. A guy that we, we were a little worried about coming into this. Would he have a role? He definitely showed up last week in their matchup against the Rams. Five attempts on the ground, 38 yards and a touchdown, and then six receptions on nine targets for 63 yards. A guy to look out for for the rest of the season. 
Yeah, I think he's going to actually be the guy this week. And, and the reason is because Brandon Ayuk seems to be banged up. Um, he's got some irritation in his chest, shoulder area, as reported today by John Lynch. Uh, he's going to be a game-time decision. And so that said, I still think that they're going to have a good game, whether he's there or not there. And the reason is because the Giants keep rolling out these rookie cornerbacks that just for some reason can't stop anything. Uh, so I think Kittle's going to have a good game. I think Debo's going to have a good game as well. Um, looking for McCaffrey to obviously do his thing. I'm not worried about any any of those. And then from the Giants' perspective, yeah, I mean, we just spoke about the whole Saquon Barkley thing and, and as far as breathing the, the bulk of the work, I probably am avoiding it, though, just this week. I'm, I'm a little nervous about how they're going to handle it. You know, they might sprinkle in Eric Gray, some, uh, you know, Gary – Gary, uh, whatever his name is, I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, so I, I'm staying away from the Giants' backfield this week. The two guys that I'm kind of looking at, other than Daniel Jones, because I, I, a thousand percent agree with you. Daniel Jones has a ton of value, especially when he's used his legs, which I think is not going unnoticed. It's causing a ton of people to say, "Wait a minute, is this guy really good at fantasy?" Even though the team's not, right, he's really good at fantasy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, as long as he keeps using his legs, you're starting him. Um, or at least considering starting him if you have the room. Darren Waller, I mean, he was Daniel Jones's favorite target. Six for 76 on eight targets. His usage was epic, okay? He had 80% route participation. He had a 90% snap share. That's unheard of in the league. Uh, I think that especially with Barkley not being there, he's going to dominate a lot of the work. Uh, the only other guy I would potentially look at is Jalen Hyatt who actually tied for percentage of air yards. That's 21.8% of the Giants' yards that they got through the air, went to Jalen Hyatt. He only ran 12 routes, and he only got two targets. I think that that's something you should look at, you know, more from the analytical perspective, as they're probably going to be behind in this game, and he's probably going to have to throw the ball. So you're probably going to get some more routes from Jalen Hyatt. I think that as he starts to get used to the NFL defenses and all of that, uh, he's going to get more work. And I think that comes starting this weekend. Yeah, I agree with you. And you saw what Puka Nakua was able to do against San Fran last weekend. Jalen Hyatt, a, a guy to look out for in, in probably deeper leagues this week. Yeah. And so now we go to our next game, Indianapolis. They travel to Baltimore for a Sunday 1 p.m. tilt. And Zach, I think the big question mark here is who is going to start at quarterback for the Colts Anthony Richardson he's still in concussion protocol as of today and I think that if we just break down last week he was awesome I mean he just turned something out of nothing he had two touchdowns on game obviously he banged his head on the back of the end zone on that second touchdown which caused the entire uh, concussion and he got pulled from the game but he still two touchdowns I think it was awesome Gardner Minshew you know, he did a great job handing the ball off to Zach Moss. I think that was the, about the extent of his his good job. Um, you know, Zach Moss, he finished the game, 18 carries, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Four grabs for 19 yards on four targets. And he outplayed just the rest of the backfield. Uh, Deion Jackson had zero touches. We were talking about him a couple weeks ago. I quickly pivoted, you know, to Zach Moss, and, and he might be the guy. Well, he seems to be the guy. For me, I think that it really depends on what is the situation at court. And, you know, if Richardson's in there, you could be comfortable starting a guy like a Michael Pittman. 
if Grinch is there, I'd be a little concerned about that. Yeah, that, that's fair. I think Richardson, if if he's playing, you're starting him. You're you probably have him as your starting quarterback, unless you have Patrick Mahomes, which in that case, yeah, you're probably not starting him. You're probably starting Patrick Mahomes. But Zach Moss is a is definitely a guy to uh, start as probably a flex option this week, or maybe even uh, I would probably say a flex option over an RB two. But the workload was great last week. 18 carries, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Four receptions he got out of the backfield for 19 yards. So it's something to look out for. I I think Pittman's going to be uh, a, a starter as well. I think probably in a flex spot. If Richardson is playing, I would be a little less confident if Minshew was the quarterback this week. But for Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, obviously, it's it's been a, a struggle the last couple of weeks, but he, he really picked it up towards the end of the game last week and, and got a ton of points against Cincinnati, a really good outing in Cincinnati last week. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill has a toe injury and it might keep him out this week. Gus Edwards is a flex play for me against this indie defense that's kind of struggled to start this year against running backs. I, I would definitely consider Gus Edwards. And then the other two flowers, I would I would probably have as a flex as well. And Mark Andrews, I think you'd have to start him. He 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 came back last week after week one out and, and exceeded expectations with Lamar at quarterback. Yeah, I think for, for Baltimore, you know, obviously, yeah, you're starting Mark Andrews. If you have him, you, you probably don't even have another tight end on your roster. And if you do, they're probably a, a lower end guy. So, yeah, you're starting Mark Andrews. I agree with you. I'm riding the Gus bus this week, especially if Justice Hill is, is out. Um, Zay Flowers, listen, Zay Flowers is getting his workload even with Mark Andrews in. I think that that's an important thing as well. Uh, he's got 15 targets in two games, which is also one Puka Nakua game. We're counting, keeping score at home. But, you know, I, I think putting Zay Flowers in, uh, you know, that that's an option that I'm looking at as well. Uh, as far as I'm not looking at, Rashad Bateman. Uh, he's just been horrendous. Um, he's one of those guys that you could probably safely drop. Uh, especially as he starts to compete with guys like Odell for targets. Yeah, agreed. All right, so we jump on to our next game. It is the Tennessee Titans as they travel to Cleveland to take on the Browns. And, Zach, this is obviously the first game without Nick Chubb. And whether Kareem Hunt gets into the game remains to be seen and what that workload looks like. But, obviously, it's going to be Jerome Ford show you could figure – but will it be the Derrick Henry show on the other side? I think uh, both, <laughs> if I had to say. Both of them are going to have a good game. I mean, Henry, The I would be a little bit more worried. Um, actually, I mean, I'd be worried a bit about both of them. Two tough run defenses in this matchup. Yeah. That's the one thing with Henry going up against Cleveland. You saw what they did to Najee Harris last week. Did Basically, next to nothing, they needed to bring Jalen Warren in to, to change the pace of the backfield a bit midway through the game. And then on the other side for Cleveland, Ford has to go up against the top run defense in the NFL right now. Shut down Jamal Williams week one, and then Austin Eckler was out last week, and they shut down Josh Kelly uh, of the Chargers last week. I mean, Tennessee is a, is a very tough matchup. The one thing for me is, and, and I'll actually even bring it up to you, I have a team where I have two good running backs in Pacheco and Gibbs, and then 
I have Jerome Ford and Brian Robinson. Now, Brian Robinson, we'll get to him in a bit. He's playing Buffalo. I'm more confident in Brian Robinson than Jerome Ford this week because of the matchup. Even though the workload is going to be there, I would start a guy like Brian Robinson over Deshaun or not Deshaun, Jerome Ford this week. Yeah, I, I kind of mentioned it last week just based on who these guys have to go against. And for Cleveland, yeah, they have to go against the Titans. And the Titans practice against Derrick Henry. I mean, we I talked about it when we were talking about Jamal Williams this week, and he was going against the Titans. They shut him down because they have to practice against Derrick Henry. So, for me, I, I'm not going to run in my top 20. Um you know, he's a flex play if you're going to put him in just based on the workload. But, you know, you're probably in a situation where you have better running backs. If you got to run forward because you drafted him as a handcuff, well, then you're probably playing to run forward because you probably picked up top. Um, but yeah, he's, he's probably not in the top 20. He might just be just outside of it um, for me. As far as the... Browns go, though, they lead the league right now in rushing attempts and rushing yards, and they're second to the 49ers in yards per carry. So, you know, there's there's got to be some sort of medium there where they lean into it a little bit more because, quite honestly, I don't think John Watson has been that good. Um, and, and so I'm not, I'm not sure how it's going to go down. It's going to be a defensive battle, though, from both sides. From Tennessee's side, listen, Tajay Spears has had – just under 24% of the running back touches, which I think is a little interesting there. Um, he's actually a candidate this week for me for ones to watch. Um, you know, so he's a potential guy that you should at least stash on your roster if you don't start him. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he got five targets. He wasn't at 100% uh, after he missed the entire week practice. He only got one target in the first half. I think that that's going to change quite a bit. Um and so, yeah, I think that I'm at least starting those guys and, and obviously you're rolling Henry out as well. Yeah, I agree. Henry and Hopkins and then Watson, Ford, Cooper, and I would probably put in Joku as well, uh, just based on what teams have been able to do against Tennessee's pass defense. All right, so we got a couple of viewer questions here, so let's break those down pretty quickly here. We got a question from Bronson. Bronson says, do I trade A.J. Brown for Devontae Adams? Zach, what do you think here? Tomatoes, tomatoes. I don't know. They're kind of the same. It's, it's. It, I mean, you really yeah. can't go wrong with either one of them. I mean, the one thing you would say is, is probably an upgrade at quarterback for A.J. Brown. So you may prefer that, but you can't go wrong with Devontae Adams. Yeah, I think it's kind of a toss-up. I know that, um, you know, I'm an A.J. Brown owner. It was a little bit of a, you know, stressful week, I'll say, for last week. You saw them arguing on the sidelines, and, you know, he wasn't getting targeted and all that. But it was because the defense was kind of closing in on him, and obviously we saw what Devonta Smith was able to do as a result of that. I think that there's going to be weeks where they kind of have to start playing high up against Devonta, watch that long ball. And, and so I think A.J. Brown actually – Result, but yeah, I think it's a toss up here between the two of them. They're both going to get their targets. Um, I don't really have, I mean, if I had to say one or the other, I'd say A.J. Brown, but at the same time, you can't go wrong with Devontae because he's he's a stud. Yep, no doubt. 
All right, so now our other trade question here, 10-man PPR. Do I trade Jamar Chase and Ramondre for Olave and Bijan? Zach, this is a good, good question for you as an Olave and a Bijan owner. I was going to say, Brett, this is right in my zone. I'd be all in for it. Even though Jamar Chase was probably your third or fourth pick in overall in the draft, it just hasn't been a good start. And if you can pick that up now, with Olave, who's been really solid through two weeks, and Bijan, who's also been really solid through two weeks. I mean, Ramondre's been okay, but you know that Zeke's going to get some touches in that backfield. Obviously, Bijan has Algier next to him, but you're expecting Bijan to grab it. I'm all in. That That's right in my zone. Olave and Bijan, I would take that any day of the week. Yeah, I think that they've proven that Bijan is going to be the focal point of the offense. And so for me, yeah, I think a lot is a pretty good upgrade, especially because as we just mentioned, you know, a little while, we're kind of unsure of what's going to happen with Joe Burrow and the long-term lingering effect of that injury and whether it's going to be season long. I mean, Jamar Chase jokes like right before the season starts, he should sit three or four weeks, um, Joe Burrow and, you know, that might have actually helped, you know, it might have actually been a thing that could have helped. And now I, I'm not sure that he's really going to have the time to do that other than a bye week unless they shut him down. And so, yeah. And then as far as the, you know, Ramondre thing goes, listen, I think that the Patriots are going to find themselves down in a lot of games. They're, they're not really that strong. And so they're going to be passing the ball a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm slam dunk, you know, hit the accept button. I'm taking a lot of ambition. Yeah, if you could, like I said, if you could back up maybe a mistake with Jamar that early with a guy who went in the first and a guy who went in the second, you got to take that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And and yeah, smash that, smash that accept button. Uh, thanks for all your questions. And remember, you can leave them in the comments. We're going to try to get to as many as we can. But let's break down the next game here as we head to Miami as the Denver Broncos take on the Miami Dolphins. Zach, right now it seems that Jalen Waddle is in concussion protocol. Is that something to be concerned about? Uh, definitely a little bit. I mean, if he is out, then Tyree Kill might have an even better game than he had in week one. So that's something to look out for uh, as a happy Tyree Kill owner. But definitely something to monitor for maybe the next week or so with Waddle because it, it might linger on. Hopefully it doesn't and, and he's he's ready to go. But, I mean, something to look out for this week, especially. It was a Sunday night game last week, so a, a little bit of a late start to the week. But, I mean, you're still going to be riding with Waddle rest of the season. I mean, you shouldn't be worried about it. But, like I said, Tyreek might have a big game. I think Tua and Mostert are definitely starter options right now. Mostert had a monster game against New England's defense. 18 carries, 121 yards, two touchdowns. And then he also had a reception on one target for six yards. So work out of the passing game as well alongside Tua. And as long as Jeff Wilson Jr. is out and Devon A. Chain is not doing a, a ton of work in the backfield, it's Mostert's show. And he's definitely showing up in the first couple of weeks. For Denver, quickly, Brett, Javante, Judy, and Sutton, I think are the three guys I would look out for. Javante, it's been, it's been a slow start for him. I think he can maybe bounce back this week against Miami, just depending on, on what's going on. They did a good job against New England's backfield. I'd still ride with Ramondre this week as a flex play. 
Yeah, I think that, um, you know, as far as Javante goes, you know, the 12 carries, 44 yards, no touchdowns, I think that's okay. I, I You know, it, it's going to get – some of those weeks are going to be like that where you'll see a little mix of Samaj P. Ryan and whatever. But, you know, he's still starting, I agree. And, and the one thing I will say, as far as the Broncos go, don't get fooled by that Marvin Mims stat line and you see 113 yards and you're like, wow, that's a guy that you might want to stash but I'm not sure that I'm starting him at all. It was only on two catches, one bomb. Um, you know, so, so as far as that goes, you know, I would kind of not get my hopes up too much because you're, you're kind of leaving yourself out there for a disappointment. As far as Miami goes though. Yeah. Most are finished as RB five. I'm probably starting him this week and Denver hasn't been that good against the run. And so, I think that, you know, like you said, as long as Jeff Wilson Jr. is not there, a chain's not there as well. Uh, or A-Chain is doing little, uh, you're probably putting him there. And then, yeah, I think this is going to be a Tyreek game, and it might end up being one of those games where you see Tyreek kind of go out for seven or eight yards and then turn around um, rather than the long bombs. Yeah, something he had to do against New England. They kind of kept that in check and, and didn't allow deep balls, and Denver does a good job with that as well. Yeah, so before we get to our next matchup, King Ahmed got another question here. Should I consider trading Michael Pittman for Debo Samuel? Zach, you want to take this one? I mean, I would say yes from what you've seen in the first couple of games. The one thing I'd say is, I mean, rest of season, it's pretty crowded in San Francisco. Richardson, you know that Pittman's going to be his top target. So that's something to consider. I would probably take Debo just because of the, the value both in the run game and the passing game. I think that just gives you a little bit more than Pittman's able to offer. But I, I would, <laughs> I, I mean, you can't go wrong with keeping Pittman as well. Yeah, I think that this is similar to that other question where it was A.J. Brown or Devontae Adams. I think this is similar values and you kind of can't go wrong with either guy. Um, yeah, I like Debo in this situation just based on the fact that they started using him as a rusher again and that was something we got worried last year that they weren't going to do that. They shied away from it completely because they brought McCaffrey and they figured out a way to make it work. Um, but yeah, I also can't, you can't go wrong with Pittman because you know, he's going to be the guy with Anthony Richardson there. The knock on that is, is Anthony Richardson going to be there? But he keeps lowering his shoulder every time he tries to run outside the pocket uh, and the injury is just kind of looming, which is scary as an Anthony Richardson owner. Um, so, yeah, I would say take that trade as well and take Debo. Yep, definitely. All right. So thanks again for questions, and you can leave them in the comments if you have any. Breaking down our next game, it is the New England Patriots as they take on Zach Wilson-led New York Jets. And, Zach, I think the biggest question for me as far as the New England Patriots goes is what happened to Juju Smith-Schuster? What happened to Juju Smith-Schuster? People, if they watched the uh, if they watched third round reversal while the season was was we while we were looking forward to it, yeah, all right, we weren't high on him. I don't know. He's yeah. been invisible, and for I mean that's that's what we were expecting. Devontae Parker comes in for one game and has more targets than Juju has in two games. So I mean something to look out for. I wouldn't be starting any New England wide receiver. I know that CD Lamb had a field day against Sauce Gardner last week. I think that's that's a once in a while type thing against Sauce Gardner and this Jets defense. 
I think it's got to be Stevenson and Hunter Henry, who's been great to start this season. Last week, six receptions on seven targets, 52 yards, and a touchdown. So something to look out for. Rest of season value, he's definitely skyrocketed in the tight end market where it's pretty hard to find consistent tight ends. And like I said, Ramondre as well, you're starting him as probably an RB2 or a flex play against this Jets defense. I think for the Jets, it's a real hard question in this backfield right now because I I would say you're starting Brees Hall because of the, the big plays and you saw what Moster was able to do against New England. I'm not high on Dalvin Cook this week, Brett. I don't know. I, I mean, although New England's rush defense is, is not great so far, I think Dalvin's a low-end flex. I'm actually benching him in a couple of weeks, taking better options over him. And then, I mean, Garrett Wilson, you're you're obviously starting. The targets is what I really like. He had eight of them last week, although he, they didn't connect uh, on a lot of them. He only had two receptions, 83 yards. He bursted through the defense for that touchdown. He got you a good week of points, but you get, have to be optimistic with how much target, how many targets he got this past week. So first, I just have to come out and say that I'm very disappointed that you just attributed all of C.D. Lamb's work to Gardner not playing well. Sauce actually took notice on X and put out, I guess there was some Dallas Cowboys fan account that put out, you know, 143 yards against Sauce and, you know, all those targets and all those catches and all that. And Sauce is like, go watch the tape. I don't know what y'all are talking about. And we all then went and watched the tape. It actually seemed that out of the 143 yards, uh, Sauce was only covering him on one of those targets, and he actually deflected the pass away. And so they kind of were staying away from Sauce. It was hilarious to see. So it kind of – Kind of falls on the rest of the line there, you know, DJ Reed and Bryce Hall and all of them, but wasn't sauce, so stay away from my guys. That said, that said, I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that this is gonna be a great game for the Patriots as far as it comes with anything. You know, as far as it comes with the rush, I think that this is a game where the Jets are gonna try to blitz as much as they can. And almost kind of like what was happening last week with them by the Cowboys where they were kind of trying to put the pressure on the quarterback to try to make, make a mistake. I think that Mac Jones is one of those guys that, you know, if you send the blitz at him, there's a chance he's throwing a pick and the Jets have the talent to get the picks. Obviously, so week one, Jordan Whitehead, the safety. And, you know, then you throw Reed in there as well. Sauce in there as well. They have the talent to be able to make those interceptions. So, I'm actually going to say that as far as the Jets go, if you have the Jets defense, it might be a good week to start them because I think they are going to blitz a lot. Um, that said, yeah, Hunter Henry might be the only guy that I'm even considering starting on, on New England. He had six catches on seven targets, 52 yards, and he did score a touchdown. Yes, he's a starting tight end. The tight end position in a lot of cases is touchdown dependent, and I think the best chance of getting a touchdown is through Hunter Henry. Um, yeah, as far as the Juju's thing goes, he had five catches, 28 yards. I, I think this is something we kind of saw coming for a while. And, and, you know, he got six targets and, and that's a lot, but, you know, it didn't really amount to anything. They were using him in very short guarded situations. And now again, he's going against a Jets team that doesn't really let anything go. 
Um, you know, obviously last week you can take the CD stuff aside. They kind of did a good job of shutting down the rest of the offense there. Um, that said, that's uh, on the Jets side. The thing that really does scare me and the stat that I pulled that kind of makes me go, oh, wait, really? The Jets are one of three teams with the Steelers and the Panthers being the other two. They don't have a rushing attempt inside the five-yard line, which that's just makes you go, wait a minute, what? And, yeah, they scored a lot from the outside. They passed a lot from when they were within the 10-yard line. Um, I just is a, That's a scary stat for me. Brees Hall only got four touches. That I'm not reading into. That, I think, is is a ludicrous point just to kind of say, hey, the Jets got killed by the Cowboys and, you know, the sky's falling because Brees only got four touches. They were behind the whole game. Um, you know, Zach Wilson and, and – they were nailing his stat line down. You know, if you watch that game back and you watch the – just go watch the last four minutes of the second half and that drive that he led them down the field to end the end the first half in the second quarter. He looked like a real NFL quarterback. He was scrambling. He was throwing darts. And, you know, they, they kind of knock his line because, you know, as you see late in that game, he threw, you know, two interceptions and – Oh, you know, why would you throw and take the sack? Well, it was, you know, third down at 26 and you're down 30 to seven. And so, of course, you're going to throw the ball because your coach is just saying, hey, force the ball in there because it's third and 26 and we don't want to punt the ball. So, yeah, it didn't come down to decision making. I think it came down to they were down. He was just trying to force the ball in there. That's what coaches were telling him. Um, so, I'm not looking at that stat line. If you have Zach Wilson in a super flex, you know, this. Could potentially the week start him just based on the fact that I think his receivers are going to uh, make some moves. Uh, I, I'm curious what Belichick tries to take away. I think he's going to try to take away the running game uh, rather than the Garrett Wilson side of things. And so it could actually be a decent game for Garrett Wilson. Um, that said, uh, it, I'm not worried about the Jets the same way that some of these other uh, media members are. Yeah, I, I agree. And and they'll keep rolling on. Like, like we said, uh, Wilson, you got to keep trusting him. And even though he, he got only two receptions, you got to keep riding with those eight targets. Yeah. And, and as far as Dalvin goes, yeah, I'm not starting him this week. Um, just based on the fact that I need to see more. And last week, I didn't really get to see that. Brees, I'm rolling out there, though. I think Brees is going to get more touches this week. Completely agree. All right, so we jump on to our next game as the Buffalo Bills take on the Washington Commanders. And Zach, it's interesting because we kind of saw the reemergence of Gabe Davis, but also they mixed it in with the Titans. So kind of a Josh Allen spreading the ball around. Yeah, it's it's weird because obviously you're expecting Stefan Diggs to do everything on planet earth and, and be Josh Allen's absolute everything. And I mean, Gabe Davis had a, a really solid game, six receptions on seven targets, 92 yards and one touchdown. You're going to get those Gabe Davis games once in a while, but you're not going to rely on Gabe Davis as a consistent fantasy starter. We're expecting that from Gabe Davis each and every year, one of those boomer bust type of games that he has each and every week. I think this week he's probably a low end flex, because maybe you're you're riding high on Gabe Davis after last week. You could be because Washington let 
Marvin Mims just absolutely soar through their defense last week on a couple plays, and and he had a monster week. So that's something to look out for, and maybe Gabe Davis can try and do the same this week. But for Buffalo, it's it's pretty much everybody against Washington this week. Allen was QB6 in week two. James Cook has been a monster to start this year. You, you definitely uh, hit big time if you drafted James Cook. 17 attempts, 123 yards. You would like to see maybe the touchdowns come up, they, but they have two goal line backs in Murray and Harris there for that. Diggs, you're obviously starting. And like I said, Davis, and then maybe the tight ends in Kincaid and Knox, you, you definitely have to roll with every single one of them. Yeah, I agree. I think that they're one of those offenses where they're going to have so many mouths to feed and yet all of them are being fed. And so it's pretty awesome. Just like Gabe Davis had six catches, 92 yards and a score. And, and we kind of didn't see that coming. Um, you know, obviously you're going to put digs in there, but listen, Kincaid had six targets, Knox had five targets. Like it was split right down the middle. Um, and yeah, James Cook. And I, I own James Cook in one of my leagues and it's awesome. He, he, has been awesome. I would say that the one knock is kind of like I just said at the Jets, like only two of his carries this season have been inside the 20 yard line. So yeah, we want those touchdowns to come for James Cook and and no, hopefully it does start to roll around. But even if they don't right now, I think he's getting a heavy, heavy enough workload that you're still comfortable with the Nazis book. Yeah, agreed. And, and, for Washington, it's got to be Brian Robinson. You're obviously starting from what he's done so far this season. You got to ride with McLaurin. And I think Dotson started off a little bit slow. I'd probably put him as a low-end flex if you, you really don't have any other options. I'd most likely stay away. Buffalo's defense is, is really good in the secondary. Yeah, I agree on, on both. And again, like before, you know, just playing against that front line for the, for the bills. I think, you know, Robinson, you might want to temper some expectations, but you're probably still starting because he's back three. Yep. Agreed. All right. So jump into the next one. And it seems to be the battle of the rookie running backs. Jameer Gibbs going head to head with B. John Robinson as the Falcons take on the Detroit lions, 1 PM start. And Zach, I mean, the one thing for me here. Yes, we could talk Bijan and Gibbs all day long. I think it's another running back there that might end up having a little bit of an impact. Tyler Algier, listen, he had 46.6% of the running back touches. And, you know, I, I think Algier right now might have a pretty big role that you might want to start him in that flex spot. I agree with you. He definitely could be a, a flex consideration because he he – he gets all those carries. Like, obviously, you want Bijan to be getting those. Bijan did actually a, a great job last week because he made the most of his carries. He ran for over 100 yards. So he he definitely made the most of his opportunities. And Atlanta obviously knows, all right, Bijan's, yeah, our guy. We drafted him eighth overall for a reason. He's going to be a monster. I think they're going to just kind of ease it in still. And then they'll make him into a, a monster maybe – Later in the season or into next year, they make him that lead guy, that number one guy, instead of really the passing down back and then some carries, which he's then making the most of. Algiers, probably a flex consideration, but I feel like you might have better options on your roster because you probably yeah. drafted Algier as your handcuff for Bijan. So I think you have better right. options. You're probably rolling with them. Obviously, you're starting Bijan because – 
what he can do is is unbelievable. The big surprise from this week, Brett, was Drake London, and you talked about it yeah. last week that that you were benching him until proven, and then the week after he he proved it and. Six receptions on seven, seven targets, 67 yards, and a touchdown. The one guy that didn't prove it, guy that I have, is Kyle Pitts. He's really struggled to start this season. I'd probably stay away from Kyle Pitts. Same thing you did with Drake London until he proves me wrong and, and proves that he should be starting in my lineup. Yeah, I hope that Arthur Smith came out of the game last week and just took a mental note and went and wrote at the top of his uh, his notebook, throw the ball, because it worked. When they throw the ball, it works. They have a guy who they picked in the top 10, and he can catch the ball. And so, yeah, I, I was excited with the fact that London had six catches, 67 yards, and he had a crucial touchdown too, which that's awesome. You know, to come up in the biggest moment, that's the way that you prove it to your coach. And hopefully they start to go back to him. Yeah, Pitt's. He had two catches for 15 yards and it was on five targets. And so, yeah, some of the throws weren't that great. And so, you know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm benching pits. I agree with you because you probably by now have a better option over a tight end. Um, you know, if you're obviously desperate for a tight end and, and you have to start pits, then so be it. But I'm, I'm probably staying away from him. And then as far as it goes with, with um, Algier, I think it's just kind of interesting because it's, it's kind of similar to what's happening in, in Detroit where it's that one-two punch of Monty and Gibbs. And, and this is sort of happening here where, where Algiers getting the carry and they're kind of mixing Bijan in as that weapon. Um, and, and that's sort of what's happening over in Detroit. And so, yeah, I mean, Bijan's a stud. He's, he's made the most of his carries. I think that you, you said it exactly right. Um, but Algiers, no slouch. I think he's been really good for them. So, yeah, you probably drafted him as a handcuff to Bijan. Uh, if you didn't, or if he was out on waivers and you snatched him up, uh, yeah, you're considering him there at that flex spot. Yeah, definitely. And and for Detroit, I mean, Jared Goff is, is a guy to look out for because he's been a beast so far this season. Um, obviously, you know they're going to be passing the ball a ton, and I think they're going to be passing it this week more than, than they have been uh, because Atlanta's – been pretty solid uh when it comes to the run defense and the passing defense they they've struggled a little bit and and kind of getting things going detroit is the easiest team to to pick when it comes to the passing game they're slinging the ball everywhere so i would say gibbs especially if no monty uh in the lineup for them amon Ra, i think josh reynolds is definitely a flex consideration a lot of waiver pickups for him this past week Five receptions on six targets, 66 yards, and two touchdowns. And maybe I think there's a little bit of a worry about Amonra. Um, just something to, to monitor as the week goes on. And if that's the case, then Reynolds being the top option, I mean, you, you probably have to start him if he's going to be wide receiver one for the Lions this week. And then Sam Laporta, who's been exactly what we expected to start this year. Yeah, I mean, you're putting Laporta in there, I think, for sure. Um, as far as the Monroe goes, listen, he we take everything with a grain of salt because it's Wednesday and they they really don't have to say, hey, this guy's resting. Even if he's not injured, you know, they'll say, oh, it's a toe injury. So so we had the toe injury, was banged up. Not sure if it was just rest 
uh, in addition to the toe. And so they just weren't putting him out there. But, you know, we'll monitor as, as the week goes on what Amonra's status is, but he did not practice today. Uh, Monty also did not practice today as well. And so, yeah, I think that this is going to be one of those games where Gibbs, I think, dominates the bulk of the workload as far as the pass catching goes because I think they're going to slowly move the ball up the field. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that Khalif Raymond will be in, Josh Reynolds will be in. Uh, you're starting Josh Reynolds. I'm not sure about Khalif Raymond, but obviously you're going to put him in there as well. And, and yeah, I, I think that that's kind of as far as it goes. And, and Goff, I would say Goff too. Yep, definitely. All right, so we jump to our next game here. It's New Orleans as they travel to Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love has been pretty awesome. Jordan Love has been pretty awesome. Obviously, you're not starting Jordan Love in fantasy football, but, <laughs> he's, but he's been pretty good so far. So, I mean, you could put him on your bench, like stash him on your bench if, he's, if he keeps going and, and – and keep showing up for the Packers, they have a good amount of options that they can definitely roll with, and, and it could help his value. Uh, they didn't have Aaron Jones last week, and A.J. Dillon struggled a bit against Atlanta, and they, they kind of had to go to the passing game, and it really helped Jordan Love's fantasy value shoot up a tiny bit. He still doesn't have Christian Watson for through the first two games. I think Watson's going to probably end up coming back this week. He had a limited practice today. And he had a limited practice on Friday, Friday, so he he's definitely trending in the right direction for a, a start on Sunday. It's probably his first game of the year. I would think Aaron Jones, if he's playing, should be in your lineup. If not, then you're starting A.J. Dillon. And then Watson would probably be in your lineup. I think Dobbs and, and Jaden Reed are interesting flex options. New Orleans is, is traditionally a really, really tough defense overall in the, in the passing game and uh, on the run line. And, and I mean, Thielen last week had seven for 54 and a touchdown. So he's proven that, that they have a little bit of weaknesses in the secondary could be some options for love in the passing game with Dobbs and Reed. Yeah, I think, you know, as far as is with the um, Aaron Jones thing, if he's playing, you're you're putting him in. If he's not playing, I'm still scared about the AJ Dillon thing. He went 15 carries for 55 yards. It's been pretty disappointing, just you know, to start the season. And so, yeah, it's a little murky there. But you know, obviously, if you're in a bind and you don't have better options, then you know you're playing him because he's the number one running back with no competition. Um, Jaden Reed, I think Jaden Reed right now is a is a player that I'm at least rostering, uh, if not playing, but. You know, at least go out there and grab them. For me, again, Jordan Love. I think that the world still is kind of against this Jordan Love ran offense. I finished the top 15 quarterback in both of the first two weeks. He finished his quarterback three in week one, and yet 60% of the leagues on ESPN and 40% of the leagues on Yahoo, he's still available in. And so if he's available in your league, you probably should go out and grab him, especially if you're in one of those, you know, two quarterback super flex leagues, or, you know, you're in one of those leagues where you're, you're kind of screwed at quarterback. Um, you know, and, and it's a lower option for you. I think that that's an excellent backup. And I think, like you said, when Christian Watson gets back, I think he's awesome. And so, 
Love has learned how to use his legs, which is something that Aaron Rodgers did not exactly do. I think that they're enjoying the fact they have more of a mobile quarterback. Um, and, yeah, as far as this week goes, it'll be a test because, obviously, New Orleans tough defense, and they've only been a tough defense. So we'll see. As far as uh, New Orleans goes, though, my big takeaway was that Michael Thomas is back. The guy had nine targets, seven catches, 55 yards. He had an 89% route participation, though, and I think that's the big takeaway here. There's going to be those games where Olave gets completely shut down, and right now, you know, 7 for 59, 7 for 55 is not the most appealing stat line. So, actually, Michael Thomas is a buy-low candidate for me, and if he's out there in your league, one of those te- one of those uh, owners that's like, nah, he's, he's Michael Smack. When he starts scoring touchdowns and, and gets in the end zone, I think it'll be pretty significant. They're going to keep feeding him the ball um, as the corner has to lock down a lot. I, I completely agree. I think, I mean, for the Saints this week, Green Bay's defense, their, their secondary is pretty tough. Obviously, uh, Atlanta did a good job against them last week, but they're still a, a tough matchup, especially up in Green Bay. I think Tony Jones, I got to look out for this week because of the injuries to Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller. I mean, Tony Jones could be a, a streaming flex option. Like it, He got the carries once Jamal Williams went out. It wasn't a ton, but he got two touchdowns. So if you're, they're giving it to him on the goal line, you're getting touchdowns. I mean, that's better than probably a lot of, of what's going on on your bench. I mean, he could be a, a flex consideration this week, especially if there's no Jamal Williams or Kendra Miller. All right, so jumping on to our next matchup, the Houston Texans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Zach, it's a battle of the quarterbacks in this one as we see C.J. Stroud and Trevor Lawrence. Take us through this one. For Houston, I think Damian Pierce is probably still got to be in your lineup. It's been a, a weak start, but you probably put him as your flex guy. You drafted him. In, in the fourth or fifth round for a reason. So you're you're going to keep riding and, and hopefully things get better. I think Nico Collins, oh my goodness. I'm going to, I'll speak about him a little bit later, but wide receiver five in week two, a target machine in this offense. I, I love it. I'm, I'm all in on Nico Collins and, and Robert Woods and, and Tank Dell are probably low end flexes for me as well. I, I mean, Patrick Mahomes last week spread the ball around a lot against this Jacksonville defense. I think CJ Stroud's going to be planning on doing the same and, and getting targets to each and every one of his guys. So Woods and Dell are definitely low end flexes for Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence, you're starting them against Houston. Travis Etienne, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, who had a monster game last week, and he's now back in my lineup after. Uh, a bad week one, 11 receptions, 14 targets, 110 yards. That's great from Christian Kirk as, as we, we talked about, maybe he's the third guy. No, no, he's back to the second guy. And then Zay Jones is a, is a low end flex as well, along with Evan Ingram, who you're starting at tight end. Yeah. It seems like they tried to shut down Calvin Ridley and that was the game plan. It really freed up Christian Kirk 11 for 110, 14 targets. I think you can't really deny that. Um, the guy that I'm really looking out for on Jacksonville and agree with everything that you just said as far as your starters. Uh, Houston, listen, we said it a few weeks ago. Tank Dell is going to be a thing. And he was a thing. He's got, he had seven 
for 72 and a score. Still available in 85% of leagues. How? Go grab Tank Dell if he's available in your league. I don't understand. The guy gets 10 targets, and all of a sudden, 85% of leagues, he's still available. Nobody wants him. I, I don't understand it. Go out and grab Tank Dell if he's available in the league. Yeah, people thinking about Puka Nakua a little bit too much. I just, I don't understand. The guy, if he got five more targets, he's right there with Puka. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so we jump on to our next matchup, the last one in the clock window. The L.A. Chargers and the Minnesota Vikings. Zach, I mean, now we talk about the, the Cam Akers and whether he'll have a role in this offense, but is Alexander Madison going to be able to take advantage this week? Uh, to maybe save his job. Yeah, I mean, I think he will. I, I think you're starting Madison probably as a flex. I don't know. I think you might have given up on him as an RB2 just based on the first couple of weeks. But he's a flex for me this week against the Chargers. Kirk Cousins is quarterback one. So if you don't have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts and thinking about, all right, maybe I can go elsewhere at quarterback, Kirk Cousins, pick him. I mean, Tennessee, you saw Ryan Tannehill was able to do against the Chargers last weekend. Start Kirk Cousins and then Jefferson and Addison and then TJ Hawkinson, who, who was a monster last week. Tight end one against Philadelphia, a really tough defense. Yeah, I think as far as Madison goes, you're playing him, plain and simple. Um, you know, he's still probably a top 20 option, even with the uh, – the fact that he has that Cam Akers looking over his shoulder, I'm not sure Cam's going to get a ton of work. He's going to have to out and get into the playbook. And, you know, it's already Wednesday. He hasn't got to the facility yet. And so, you know, they might draw up a package for him. But as far as the work goes, you know, there's a chance he doesn't even play in this game. We'll see. Um, obviously, you're starting those receivers, though. Addison looked awesome, even though he didn't have – a ton of work. He only had three catches for 72 yards, but one of them was a bomb. Um, I think the big takeaway for me, though, is, you know, you're, you're starting those guys because the Chargers right now have the fourth worst defense in the whole league. Um, so for me, I'm starting K.J. Osborne. I'm putting him in that flex if I have him. Um, you know, I'm looking at Addison, and if I have him too, you know, I'm putting him in the flex. Uh, obviously you're starting Jefferson. That's, that is what it is. You're starting Hawkinson. That's no brainer. And yeah, I agree. You're starting Kirk cousins. Unless you have one of those three guys on your team, you're looking at starting Kirk cousins. Yeah. And an interesting one for the chargers, Eckler obviously didn't play last week, still monitoring the situation. Josh Kelly was bad last week, except they had to go up against Tennessee, the top run defense. I think if Eckler's out again this week, then you should probably ride with Josh Kelly again. Minnesota let DeAndre Swift uh, turn into the to the next coming of Walter Payton last week. So, I mean, you got to start Josh Kelly, especially against Minnesota on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he had 13 carries. And so, for me, at least, it just kind of came to the point where they realized, okay, the, the run is not working right now. Let's pass the ball. And so they kind of – Stalled them out a little bit. Um, throw away the tape. I think this will be a different week. Uh, so Josh Kelly I'm riding with as well. Keenan Allen had eight catches, 11 yards and two, 111 yards and two touchdowns. Mike Williams had eight catches, 83 yards. Both of them dominated last week. 
Um, more surprising, though, is that Allen scored the touchdowns. Williams, though, he actually still had the most targets, had 13 targets, a 33% target share. Allen had 10. Um, for me, I, I say that Williams, he really hasn't had that boom game yet. Um, the Vikings might end up being that defense, though, uh, that he needs to explode. And so, you know, he might be one of those buy, buy low candidates also just because I'm not sure that the jury is – the jury's always out for Mike Williams, I feel like, the last couple of years of can he stay healthy, is he injured, all of those things. Um, you know, can he stay consistent? Are you going to get the 500-yard game versus the 12-yard game? And, and that's kind of his knock. And so it could potentially be one of those windows where you buy low while he's not getting into the end zone. Uh, Quentin Johnson, I think that that's pretty interesting as well. He's had only three catches in the first games for a total of 16 yards, kind of buried behind Josh Palmer, it seems to be, as that third receiver. Um, so kind of interested if Quentin Johnson ends up staying as the fourth guy or if he can beat up Josh Palmer for that third role and actually kind of have a role in the offense. Yeah, something to look out for in the next couple of weeks. But, I mean, Minnesota's a good matchup for these guys. You're probably starting Allen and Williams, definitely. Yeah. All right, so now we jump to the next one, and it's the Carolina Panthers against the Seattle Seahawks as we hit the 405 time window. And, Zach, I mean, Bryce Young, he kind of looked a little flustered the other night, a little bit of pressure on his first national game of the year. Um you know, that said, he still found his guy, Adam Thielen. We knew that he would. Uh, nine targets, seven catches for 54 and a score. Uh, I, I think that as far as the Carolina Panthers go, you're not extremely confident about a lot of these guys, but you're probably starting Sanders and, you know, maybe you're starting Thielen in your flex, but I, I don't know. I think you can maybe this week. I think Seattle's a good matchup for them. The one – Guy I would also keep on my radar is, is Hayden Hurst. I know it was a bad week for him last week, but he's that that safety net for Bryce Young, and he'll he'll go to him and he'll rack up receptions. He did that in week one, struggled a bit in week two, but he's going up against New Orleans. This is a, a, a good matchup against Seattle, who let the Rams go to town on them a couple of weeks ago in week one up in Seattle. I think those three guys I'd probably keep on the radar. Sanders, you're definitely starting in Thielen. And Hurst, your probably flex options, uh, I would say. For Seattle, I think it's probably the usual. Uh, Geno Smith is an option because he's going up against this Carolina defense. They played well last week. I don't know how consistent they could be with that defense. Kenneth Walker has been great to start this year. You're going to keep riding with him. And then the three wide receivers, Metcalf, Lockett, Smith and Jigba. Smith and Jigba had a solid game last week against Detroit. Five receptions on six targets, 34 yards. Flex option, I would say, for Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, I agree on that one. I, I'm not sure that, you know, I'm I'm shying away from him just because he's the third guy. Listen, you're starting Metcalf, you're starting Lockett. Lockett was a beast. Uh, you know, eight catches, 59 yards, two touchdowns. Dude was a stud. You're putting him in your lineup. You're, you're putting Metcalf, obviously, in your lineup. But I don't, I don't know the giant way uh, from a guy like Jackson Smith and Jake, but I think that you kind of lean into it. And, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty good flex option. I think that he's going to continue to get some, some work. 
Yeah, I, I, just a solid guy. You know he's going to get targets in this offense, and, and it'll turn into fantasy points for you. All right, so now we jump to the 425 window as Dallas takes on Arizona. Zach Lamb, impressive targets. You know, he had 13 of them, 11 catches, 143 yards, none of which were against Sauce Gardner. Didn't score a touchdown, um, but he was very impressive. And, and now he gets a Cardinals team that had an epic collapse to the New York Giants. So what do we what do we feel here at Dallas? And C.D. Lamb could be wide receiver one this week. We don't know. I mean, it, it, yeah. it could be very easy for him if he did that to the Jets. And sorry to sauce, I didn't mean it. If he did that to the Jets, <laughs> defense, 11 receptions on 13 targets, 143 yards. I mean, what is he going to do to this Arizona defense that let Jalen Hyatt go to town? And, and Darren Waller was a monster. For the Giants in the second half, like I think C.D. Lamb uh, is going to have a great week. Dak, you're probably starting this week because of the matchup. It's unbelievable. If you're switching off with, on quarterbacks based on matchup, perfect matchup for Dak this week. You'll roll with them. And Tony Pollard's going to have a great week as well. Saquon did a great job last week, uh, especially receiving back out of the backfield. Pollard's taking a lot of that work. You're going to ride with him. And Jake Ferguson, a guy to keep on the radar just because he's he keeps getting in the end zone, keeps getting in the end zone, and and I, you're gonna ride with that. Tight end is a really tough spot. If you can get a guy to fall in the end zone, great. All right, Jake Ferguson could be one of those guys. Yeah. So a couple things that I took notice of from last week's game. Number one, Rico Dowdle actually has some sort of a role here. He had seven rushes. It's a potential handcuff option. Everyone kind of pointed at Deuce Vaughn, but I think it's actually Rico Dowdle. So. You know, you know, you might want to switch up your handcuff option if you did pick up Deuce Vaughn in the hope that uh, Tony Pollard doesn't get hurt. That said, Tony Pollard was very intriguing last week, and the reason was because he did get eight targets, and instead of them were catches. So, you know, I think that working into the passing game is very important for Tony Pollard, especially he had 25 carries, so that's pretty great as well. Um, CD's a stud. Yeah, I, I agree. This is a week where – he might end up finishing as a wide receiver one and excited to have him on my team uh, for this week. I'll tell you that. And so, yeah, I think the other thing was that uh, they, they kind of used Dak Prescott a little bit more in the rushing game. And so, you know, he threw two touchdowns. He was 31 of 38, which I thought that was impressive, you know, as far as the passing goes, but if they start to use him in those like QB draws and things like that, um, he starts to scramble a little bit more, which was one of those knocks. I, I think that, Dak actually might reclaim his value that uh, seems to have been lost from being the quarterback one to being one of those higher end quarterback twos. Yeah. I mean, something to look out for is if he starts to add that rushing value, then, then you really got a solid quarterback. I, I mean, for Arizona, James Connor, maybe Zach Ertz. I'll talk about him a, a little bit later, but I mean, Hollywood Brown, maybe out of Dallas's defense is so tough. I don't even think James Conner is going to have a great week, but I think he'll have the best week of anybody in this Arizona offense. Yeah. So the game plan that they had last week where they just kind of pressured Zach Wilson for the entire game. I don't think for a second, they won't try the exact same thing against Josh Dobbs and not to knock Josh Dobbs because Josh Dobbs had a pretty decent week from a fantasy perspective. Um, you know, he rushed three times for 
41 yards, got to score, and so that got them a bunch of points. But at the same time, they're going to be sending the blitz pretty much the whole game. So, yeah, Connor, yeah, obviously he he rushed three times. You're probably sticking him in just based on workload alone uh, and the fact that he could potentially find the end zone. But the Cardinals receivers, not that I'm really paying them anyway, but, you know, the corners are going to be really tough to match up against. You're going to have, you know, Hollywood Brown and Michael Wilson stepping up against Diggs and Gilmore. And so you're a little less confident just from that perspective. And now you throw in the the blitzing every single play and you can throw it with the pressure coming. I It's not a, a matchup that I'm desiring if I own one of those Cardinals uh, receivers. And so probably staying away from them. Yeah, I agree. You will see me start the Cowboys defense, though. I will start the Cowboys defense this week. I think this could be one of those opportunities. One of those opportunities for a couple pick sixes. Yeah, good idea. (laughs) So we jump on to our next game. It is the Chicago Bears as they take on the Kansas City Chiefs. And, Zach, I think right now the big storyline is around Justin Fields, and it was about something that he said earlier today. Listen, there's – there was a lot of talk about the fact that there were only five design runs through this season uh, for Justin Fields compared to last year. Fields seemed to look a little indecisive, and so he got asked about it, and he actually agreed with the reporters, and, and he felt like he was playing too robotic. Uh, that said, they asked him, what do you think the reason that is? And he didn't shy away from the answer. He said it was coaching. Um and so that's going to obviously lead to some more buzz and some more storylines. He kind of just put the pressure all on himself. Uh, not the bright thing that you would want to say as an NFL quarterback and kind of throw your coaches under the bus. But I think uh, that at least in this case, it's a borderline start because I think that he's going to have to throw the ball and run because he's playing against the Chiefs and they're going to put up a lot of points. So they'll probably be playing from behind. Yeah, I, I think he's going to have to throw the ball. And, and I can understand why people are maybe shying away from Justin Fields right now as their starting quarterback. They might find somebody else. I have somebody in another league who now has Tua as their starting quarterback, like, and they're riding with them. So I can definitely see it. But, I mean, for the Bears this week, you're probably still starting everybody. I think Fields, maybe, if you, you have him, you don't have any other choice. And, and even if you have some confidence in him, probably still starting him. Khalil Herbert, the lead back for now. I think that's going to change to Roshan Johnson at some point. Don't think it'll be this week. I think Herbert still has that backfield. DJ Moore's been really solid. A a tough matchup against Tampa last week, and he did pretty well. Six receptions on seven targets, 104 yards, no touchdowns, but that will come in in better opportunities for DJ Moore. And and probably Cole Komet, you're, you're starting him as well. I mean, for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey had nine targets last week in his in his season debut for the Chiefs in week two. I don't have any trust in the wide receivers as long as Kelsey's getting that many targets from Mahomes. Yeah, as far as the Bears go, I mean, it's interesting because, like, the sky is falling right now for Chase Claypool. He got eight targets, only three catches, and they tried to work him more into the game as, uh, you know, the, the rumblings come out about the first couple of weeks and, and the laziness and, and things like that. 
when you when you hear the term of laziness getting around in the first two weeks of the season, you know it's not really a a positive thing. And so yeah, they're trying to get Chase Claypool involved more. I'm sure it's coming, so I'm kind of leaving him out there. But yeah, Cole Komet and, and DJ Moore, they're staying in the lineup right now. They've gotten a heavy workload. Uh, Rob Johnson, I think, is actually, you know, he had a nice carry for 30 yards. And so he's a guy that I'm still kind of leaving there on the radar, just in the case that he comes out there with Khalil Herbert. I think his snap counts were pretty close to Herbert's as well. And so it's a potential waiver option uh, for you. And then, yeah, as far as fields goes, you probably have a better option going right now, just based on if you drafted one of those you know, higher end back a lot of those guys kind of rose up the ranks there. And so, like you just said, Tua, you know, you're starting Tua this week in, in that case. Uh, as far as the Chiefs go, um, it, it's just kind of after Travis Kelsey, it's a little murky. Uh, no receiver on the Chiefs has more than 10 targets and none of them has more than six receptions. And the only one to get 70 yards so far is Justin Watson. And so... Pretty eye-opening stats there when, when you take a look at it and, and the talent that's surrounding Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, we talk about the the Kadarius Tony in week one and then, you know, Sky Moore in week two is the positive, the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm still kind of shying away from the starting lineup, at least, uh, other than Travis Kelsey. And then, obviously, you're rolling Patrick Mahomes out there. You're like, you're not worried about that. From um, Interested to see what's going on with Isaiah Pacheco and his health something to monitor at least for the next couple of days uh, and whether he has a start. Uh, and then otherwise, I mean, you know, are, are you starting another running back there on uh, Kansas city? Probably not. I mean, Jarek McKinnon might get a little bit of a boost, but I, I mean, from what I've seen so far this season, CH, I'm not comfortable. I feel like you have better options than the Kansas city backfield because Mahomes will just be like, all right, well, I'll throw it to Kelsey five more times and and spread the ball around. Classic Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and I'll rush for the other three. So that's what I think will happen. I I agree with you. Yep, definitely. All right, so we jump to the Sunday night game. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Is this the end of Najee Harris? All right, let's let's calm it down just a tiny bit. <laughs> just a tiny bit. All right, Najee Harris, yeah, first round pick, uh, three or three years ago, I think it was two years ago, whatever it was. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we, we gotta we gotta calm down. He was up against the San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. Literally, the two like there's, I mean, people will say the Cowboys, yeah. Two of the top defenses, like top three, four defenses in the NFL, that's who Najee Harris had to go up against. Let's pump the brakes just a, a, a second, and we'll see this week against Vegas after James Cook put up 123 yards against them. Yeah, I think Najee Harris will, will prove a lot of doubters wrong. I will say Jalen Warren is a low-end flex consideration because of his work in the passing game. That changes things a tiny bit with Najee. He's not getting as much work in the in the passing game. Warren's kind of taking that four receptions on six targets for 66 yards. So that if there was one thing to worry about, I think that's it. But everything else with Najee, you, you got to just keep rolling with it. And then at wide receiver, Pickens had a ton of targets without Deontay Johnson. 
although it it was only four receptions of those 10 targets he turned it into 127 yards and a touchdown that very long play really helped you out you're probably cheering at the television for that one i mean robinson got less targets than he did in week one so a low-end flex consideration for him and then Fryermuth has not been great to start this year but like i mentioned two tough defenses he'll get an easy matchup against vegas this week yeah, it was pretty obvious that the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, staff doesn't listen to our podcast because I pretty point blank said put Allen Robinson in the slot and he'll be awesome, and they put him out wide. And so he did not make any sort of impact at all. He only had three targets, two catches, 12 yards. Um, pretty big disappointment on the staff over there. But hopefully this, this week around uh, they stick somebody out wide and, and put Allen Robinson in the slot where he belongs. Um, yeah, I think Jalen Warren's interesting, though. As far as it goes, you know, the, the six carries for 20 yards, not thrilling uh, by any means. Again, like you said, you know, Najee only had 10 carries for 43 yards. They're going against a tough defense. It's not like he was outplaying them at all. Uh, but, yeah, that passing game is kind of where the where the butter is. And he had four catches for 66 yards. He had a 30-yard you know, breakout like screen pass. And that I think was the eye opening play where we were like, wait a minute, Jalen Warren? Yeah, hey, that's pretty cool. He had six targets on the day to Najee's three. And so, you know, I, I think that this might be one of those weeks where we kind of see a little bit of a split because I, they have something in Jalen Warren. That's a, I think Najee's still the one. I, I'm not shying away from that. And, and I think that Najee might actually be a pretty buy low candidate for a lot of these people who are freaking out this week that Najee's not, not anything. Um, Cause I do think he is something the Raiders worst run defense in the league. Um, so I think they're going to lean into that quite a bit. Um, now we jump over to the, to the Raiders and, and Devante, he left with a concussion. Um, that was scary there for a couple minutes and they claim he's good. And, We'll see. It's six catches on eight targets, so 84 yards and a score before he exited. So I think it's kind of just going to go back to being the Devontae show. I'm not buying away from them. And, yeah, Josh Jacobs kind of got held in check. But, again, I, I'm not sure that I'm shying away from him either. I agree. You're, you have to start Josh Jacobs. You have to start Devontae Adams. I think one guy on the radar who might be coming back this week is Jacoby Myers. What he was able to do in week one was – was unbelievable nine receptions on 10 targets 81 yards and two touchdowns in week one against denver i think he's a a option you have to look at if he's healthy especially with pittsburgh secondary not as great as usual yep jumping now to the monday night games and zach we got two games on monday night yet again uh the first one at 7 15 is the philadelphia and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's break this one down. And we start at the quarterback position because it was Jalen Hurley getting into some arguments on the sidelines with his guys. And, you know, is his, is his number one receiver A.J. Brown or is his number one receiver Devonta Smith? And I think that that kind of changes each and every week now just based on who they want to cover. Yeah, I mean, you had to expect that coming into this season. There, there was a reason to maybe even stay away sometimes from A.J. Brown for some people because they knew Devonta Smith was so close to A.J. Brown in, in targets and, and 
I mean, how much they're targeted throughout the season. Like they're two wide receiver ones playing for the same team. That's how it works. It's very similar to to Cincinnati and how Joe Burrow has to spread the ball around. I think Jalen Hurts is they're fine. They're all good. Everything's fine. They're they're two and zero on the year. They got to be happy. This team has has bigger things ahead that they're looking forward to. I think you got to start all of them, even though this is a tough matchup against Tampa Bay. Although Chicago made it look somewhat easy a little bit last week, uh, especially DJ Moore, some deep balls from Justin Fields a week ago. So there could be opportunities for Philadelphia. But Hertz, Brown, Smith, obviously starting them. Goddard is another one you're going to start. The question for me is the backfield. DeAndre Swift, yeah. I have a nice question mark next to it. 28 attempts, 175 yards, and a touchdown. And then the receptions over the weekend or, or on Thursday, is Kenneth Gainwell playing? Like, that's a question mark. And then, it, I mean, I'd probably stay away against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think the only thing that's really that clear in the backfield is you could probably drop Rashad Penny, at, you know, Dumpsville, welcome to Dumpsville, population Rashad Penny. Uh, three carries for nine yards. And, you know, it, it came after a week where he didn't play at all. And so, to me, I, I'm not sure that Rashad Penny is, is going to have any sort of fantasy value. But the fact that they talked about Gainwell coming into the and Gainwell gets hurt, obviously. And so he's out for the game. They put DeAndre Swift in. And, yeah, he gets 28 carries, 175 yards touchdown. You're a Swift owner. You're all like, oh, baby. But at the same time, I'm not sure that you can really rely on that every single week. Um, just based on the fact that we've spoken about it, Jalen Hurts is, is going to be their leading rusher in a lot of different weeks. He had 12 attempts on, on the night uh, that when you put Gainwell back in there and you start to split the carries again, um, you know, Hurts ends up becoming the leading rusher there. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just something to to really keep an eye on. As for Tampa Bay, I think Rashad White, you're probably starting, even though it's a it's a tough matchup just based on the workload that he gets. And then Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I know we're we're always against the, those two who are on this, but like I think I like Godwin more than Evans, but Evans proved me wrong last week. Wide receiver three last week against Chicago, six receptions. For eight targets, 171 yards, and a touchdown. That is a classic, classic Mike Evans game. If I've ever seen one, that's it. So, I mean, it's just boom or bust, though. That's the thing. You you don't know if he can be consistent on that. You're expecting him to, to put up those big games once in a while, but we, we don't know when those are going to be. I think you're probably going to start them because you're high on them right now, but I, I'd be cautious against this Philly defense. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the Mike Evans thing is similar to kind of what we're talking about with uh, with Mike Williams. I, I think that it's that same. You don't really know what you're getting each week. Um, so, but yeah, you're doing a main lineup. You're just kind of hoping for the best, obviously. Um, but as far as Godwin goes, I mean, yeah, he still had eight targets. And so it's the same thing. You're probably putting him in there and, you know, we'll see if Baker can uh, – can get it done. Obviously, it's a tough matchup with tough defense. At the same time, Philly hasn't been what they were last year. You know, you could you could see that from the first two weeks. They're not the same defense. 
Um, even though they're still a strong defense, they're not, it didn't seem like they were as strong. Um, but yeah, you're probably still putting Godwin in there. The the interesting thing for the Bucks perspective is Rashad White and what happens with his workload. Um, now that it seems that Chase Edmonds has been put on IR and they have that rookie, Sean Tucker. I think that Tucker got eight carries last week and yeah, he didn't really do anything with them, but I think that it was just, you know, because it was his first start, they're trying to get him more used to the system, all that. I'm kind of interested to see if there's more load, uh, potential, you know, just an eye on on the waivers, for especially from a dynasty perspective, uh, a, a potentially young rookie running back that you can go after who made a pretty significant impact when he had his time at Syracuse. And, you know, there was hard issues, and, and that's kind of what dropped his draft stock. And, and so – you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what happens now when, when Sean Tucker gets a little bit of the work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something to keep an eye on, especially maybe a handcuff for Rashad White if, if you're that deep, if you're not that deep at running back. Yeah. So now jumping into the last game of the week is the L.A. Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. And we spoke about it a few minutes or or almost an hour ago now. But uh, Joe Burrow, I, I mean, Joe Burrow, he tweaked his right calf during the game, during the loss. And like we said, Zach Taylor said it's hard to say whether he's going to be available and we're going to just kind of have to monitor it. We, we kind of spoke a little bit about who you're starting, so not going to spend too much time on them. But I would say from my perspective, uh, Puka Nakua means no worries. He's, he's right there in the top of the lineup. Wide receiver one. <laughs> I mean, just whatever it is, yeah. wherever you have him, start him. <laughs> Put him in your lineup. He's going to be a beast. He's going to get a ton of targets. You're going to love it. Kyron Williams, same thing. You're going to love it. Put him in yeah. your lineup. I think Tutu Atwell is a, another guy you got to consider flex consideration just because, I mean, although Cincy's defense has been somewhat good against wide receivers, I think Tutu Atwell's proven that he's going to get targets no matter what, and he'll have receptions for for LA. You probably have. I'm going to be starting him in a couple leagues where I have him this week, even though he has this matchup for Cincinnati. If Burrow, we've mentioned it before, if, if Burrow's playing, you're starting everybody, including Tyler Boyd. Yeah. If not, then you're probably taking Boyd out of there. Everybody else, Mixon, Chase, and, and Higgins are going to be in your lineup no matter what. Yeah, and you would figure that Mixon would get a heavier workload just based on the fact that the quarterback's not there. Yeah, definitely something to look out for. All right, so speaking of flexes, let's wrap these this one up here with our lock of the week and our one watch. Lock of the week is our flex option, uh, your top flex option. So anybody who's ranked lower than 20 in the consensus rankings. And Zach, last week was a rough week for me. I picked Brees Hall and he finished with 0.9. He didn't even get a point in PPR points. And you picked Jamal Williams, who didn't do much better. He only had 2.9. So it was a bit of a struggle, but you did take the point. Um, and so you get first choice here in this week. Yeah, I'm I'm taking I've mentioned this guy before. I love it. I'm I'm all in on Nico Collins. Wide receiver five in week two. I mentioned it before. Seven receptions on nine targets, 146 yards, and a touchdown. I get it. He was playing the Indianapolis defense, 
but he's now playing the Baltimore defense, who is missing a lot of guys in the secondary, to say the least. I think Nico Collins, especially with C.J. Stroud at quarterback, is going to get a ton of targets. Ride with him this week against Baltimore. Yeah, and uh, as I try to get back into standings here with you up 2 nothing, you know, you're 2-0 here on the lock of the week. Um, first week taking Jahan Dotson over my Sky Moore, who also did not get a point. Hopefully, pick this week gets at least one point, and I'm pretty sure he will. It's 2-2 Atwell. 2-2 caught seven passes for 77 yards Sunday against the Niners. Nine targets. Uh, you know, the week before that, he had six for 119 on eight targets. I think that the targets are going to continue to come. They're going to continue to feed 2-2. And listen, he just needs one catch to get more than I had as two guys come back. That's fair. I think he could get it for you. <laughs> I hope so. I really do. I really do. So move on to our ones to watch. Uh, we are tied 1-1 here. Uh, the first week, I took Deion Jackson. You took Van Jefferson. Um, Deion Jackson ended up being a, a bit of a bust. And so I, I pivoted, and it kind of worked out. I went to Zach Moss, who finished with 20.7 points. He is one of the top waiver targets this week, so that's pretty awesome. And so, you know, proving proving methods bad this year. Zach, you went and you took Zay Jones, who got six targets. Unfortunate game. I mean, listen, he got injured, and, and by the time he came back, the game plan has sort of changed. And so, you know, we can't really count it a wash because 20.7 is, is great. But, you know, a donut there, big zero for Zay Jones. And, you know, obviously Zay Jones will have more this week and potential waiver ad for next week. Um, I'll go first here. And, and my ones to watch here is actually owned. These are guys that will be a waiver target next week. They have to be owned in 50% or more. This guy owned in 48%, which means 52% of people do not have Jalen Warren on a roster. And I am not sure why we just spoke about it. Like he's got a role and, I think that this is going to be one of those weeks where Raiders aren't that good at run defense. And, you know, Najee is, again, it's not the end of Najee by any means, but I think it's going to be one of those weeks where we figure out, hey, the Steelers can actually go with the dual backfield and be significant at both ends. Um, so I, I think that Warren is going to have a bit of a role, and, and that passing game is really going to help his cause as well at getting into your lineups. Definitely a good one and a guy to look out for this after this coming week. And I think for me, I'm I'm going with Zach Ertz. I think uh, tight end seven so far this season, 12 receptions on 18 targets, 77 yards. I mean, what that proves to me is he's just a check down magnet. That's all you need at tight end sometimes. That's, I mean, we, we got to find guys on the waiver wire. This guy's tight end seven from 12 receptions into 77 yards. Doesn't even get close to 100 yards. That's fine. He's playing Dallas and then San Francisco. That means a lot of checkdowns. Josh Dobbs is his quarterback. I'm riding with Zach Ertz. It's not going to be great weeks. It's just going to be enough to fill that tight end void if you're really struggling to find one. A guy to keep an eye on who's done pretty well after injuring himself last season to come into this season being maybe the number one target for Josh Dobbs. 
Yeah, and I think it's a good pick just based on the fact that the tight end position, we always say it's it's one of those touchdown dependent positions, especially for those, you know, outside the top three guys, which are obviously volume based. Uh, the rest of them are if you score a touchdown, you had a great week. And if you didn't, then you're with the rest of the tight ends in the league. And so Zach has an opportunity that when they do get down low in the red zone, if he is that safety valve, there's more of an opportunity that he can have to score those touchdowns. But it is, it is a good pick, and I do agree with Zach. Zach Ertz being your pick uh, and Jalen Warren being my pick. Zach, this was a long one here. We had almost two hours here. Uh, next week we're going to recap week three and preview week four. Any last words for the crowd here? I mean, have fun with Nico Collins and Tutu Atwell. They're going to be booming this week. And, of course, Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua means no worries. Please subscribe to us on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Give us the thumbs up as well. Uh, and in the words of Aaron Rodgers, uh, the night is darkest before, before the dawn. We will rise yet again. We will catch you next week here on the third number of Fantasy Football Podcast.